0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: Every year, the President of the United States presents the State of the Union Address, Well, I think it's important for us to consider the state of the church address so we can evaluate what the church is teaching and how it's living out God's word in this day and age. After all, it's the church or more appropriately, I should say it's us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have salvation through him that make up the church. And that church is the one who's supposed to have the impact in this world. That's us. We can only do that if we, the church, are living based on a biblical worldview rather than adhering to modern day culture. I'm Debbie Blank, encouraging you to listen to the poll results that we're going to talk about and evaluate your personal state of the church, as well as the church that you're in to make sure that it matches up with God's will, not the world's motives or the world's culture. We want you and us to see if we're living our lives for God or by the world's standards. And I'm
0: co-host Jackie Saylors. What is apostasy? Jesus spoke of it as a major prophetic sign of the end times, which is why I was surprised when in an adult Sunday school class, they didn't seem to know what the word apostasy meant. When they realized it was a falling away from the true faith, they agreed that things seemed to have fallen pretty far down into apostasy but just wait until you see the real numbers. The Barna Company regularly surveys Christian attitudes, and each time it comes out, it's like reading an apostasy watch report. It reminds me of Paul's warnings in 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What can we do to reach a church, and a world for that matter, when it no longer can endure sound teaching.
1: And that's what we're seeing today. Consider, Jackie, when we grew up, pretty much everyone believed in God and everyone went to a church or at least a place of worship. That statistics back then showed that 98% of people up until 1967 believed in God. But now today, only 68% of our young adults between the ages of 18 and 29 believe in God. In addition, just two decades ago, 60% of people said their religion was very important to them. And yet this year only 44% say it's important to them. Now understand our religion will not get us into heaven. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, but at least our religion gives us a spiritual feeling, a desire for spiritual things. Whereas if we're not going to church, we don't even consider spiritual things. Now why is this happening? Consider this. Pastors are not holding on to or teaching or living out biblical world principles, according to the statistics we're going to talk about today. And parents obviously are not holding on to teaching or living out biblical worldviews, or else the kids would not be turning away from God. And then schools, of course, are not holding on to or teaching any biblical principles. So that means that our kids, at least 90%, I would say, go to public schools, are not hearing anything about God and actually hearing things contrary to God. So it's no wonder that our statistics are failing. They're showing the heart of our culture today rather than the heart of our relationship with God. And when you have a situation where the
0: pastors don't even present a Christian worldview, what hope is there? In the churches, to learn that, you have to be on your own with your scripture and challenging your pastors a lot of the time. And the seminaries are doing the same thing. The seminaries are teaching students completely different things than what is in the scriptures in many cases. And so you have to be so careful. That the people that are sitting in the pews are used to being spoon-fed what's supposed to be the truth. And they can't do that. They have to have that Bible in their laps and have to know and examine and challenge what's being taught to them because they have to stand for the truth.
1: And that's what we need to do because I'm a teacher by spiritual gift. It's what God has given me. I love to learn the word of God and I've been doing it for 48 years now. So I've got a pretty good handle on the word. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I know pretty much. So I can tell if something is right or wrong when I hear it from the pulpit. I've been very fortunate that my last two pastors in our church that we've belonged to for 40 some years, have always preached the word of God. And I know they are because I know what the truth is. We need to be looking into the scripture to know it so that we can evaluate our pastors. Because if we're in a church that has a pastor, not preaching the solid truth of the word of God, we need to look for a different church because we are finding out right now that most of our pastors do not follow a biblical worldview. Their popular thing that they're following now is called syncretism. Syncretism is defined as the blending of ideas and applications from a variety of holistic worldviews into a unique but inconsistent combination that represents their personal preferences. So let's understand that they're taking the world ideas They're taking holistic viewpoints, and then they're combining them with their personal opinions. And that's what they're teaching from the pulpit. They should be teaching the word of God. That's why they are our pastors, our shepherds, the ones to lead us. According to Barna statistics, 62% of pastors right now hold a synchristic worldview, not a biblical worldview. You know why they're doing that? Because according to the same statistics, 88% of adult Americans embrace syncretism. So they're preaching to their audience instead of preaching the word of God. Bible says they're going to be held to a higher standard because they're the pastor teachers and they're not teaching the word. They're tickling the ears as you talked about before. Now, let me just give you some other statistics about pastors. According to the American worldview inventory, 2022, which was conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, only 41% of senior pastors hold a biblical worldview. Associate pastors, 28%. Teaching pastors, which means they're teaching in the pulpit and in the classrooms, 13% hold a biblical worldview and only 12% of youth and children's pastors do. How can we expect our kids to learn about the Bible and truth from the Bible in churches where only 12% of the youth pastors are teaching the truth of the word of God or us in the pews only hearing 41% of our pastors teaching truth. That's why we're seeing a change in our culture because our culture is focusing on ourselves and our American dream and the things that we think are important instead of the things of God which are the only things that are important.
0: It's interesting when you use the word syncretism because I think most Christians wouldn't have an idea what that word means. They probably have heard it very rarely, if at all, and yet they're practicing it. I have relatives who believe in reincarnation, but they're Christians, but they also believe in reincarnation and I'm trying to to figure that out with them. I also had a pastor's wife who was also a pastor confide in me that she was having trouble with the atonement. And I thought, well, if you have trouble with the atonement, how are you teaching the gospel to people? That That's what it's all about. I did mention a, a couple of weeks ago about seeing a video at Duke Seminary. There was a female seminarian who opened her service with addressing God as, oh, great queer one. This is somebody going to come out of the seminary and be in charge of somebody's church. The word that I'm thinking of is bizarre because this isn't Christian. This isn't Christian thinking. Somehow, Many
1: people are being tricked into thinking it is. You might wonder, how do you find out if your church is a biblical church, if your pastor has a biblical worldview? One of the first ways I would start is to write down what's important in scripture to know and be taught. And that would be the gospel message. With Jesus Christ being God, dying for our sins, resurrected from the dead to conquer death, and opening the gates of heaven for us. He is living to make intercession for us right now. I'd start there and then I'd talk about the importance of the Bible. What does the pastor think of the Bible? Is it a hundred percent accurate as the literal word of God? From there on you talk about the virgin birth, there's so many things to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, who the Godhead is, so many doctrinal issues to see. And if you wonder what those doctrinal issues are, you can go to our website because our doctrinal statement is on our website. You can look there, find out what we believe. And then understand we stand on the word of God. So then take those doctrinal issues to your pastor or look at your church's doctrinal statements to find out what they're believing in and therefore what they're teaching. And then of course, learn the Bible, go to Bible studies. When I first became a believer, I didn't know where to go or what to do. So I was kind of lost for a few years, but then I was led to a Bible study and one thing led to another. And I spent the next umpteen years studying and learning the word of God and then teaching it because it's important to me to know the truth. The things that the world is teaching and talking about right now are not truth. And I'll tell you what, there was a great article that I read recently that's called seduced by the culture. Most Americans believe these top 10 lies by Deborah Laker. And these top 10 lies are so interesting because. This is what we're believing instead of what the truth is. We're not going to go through every one of them, but we are going to talk about them because the statistics come again from the American worldview inventory of 2021 and 2022. So the most prevalent seductive unbiblical ideas compared to what the Bible says, the first one is having faith matters more than what your faith is in or what faith you have. Think about that. I have faith that an airplane can fly. So, do I put my faith in the airplane? Would I tell somebody I have faith because I believe that? We're missing the point of what faith is. As a matter of fact, we so little know what faith is about that we're going to talk about that on our next show because we want to walk through the importance of our faith and what it means in our relationship with God. But of the 2,000 or more participants in this last survey, 62% believe that having faith matters more than what the faith is that you have. Well, I wonder if Jim Jones' people felt that way when he poisoned them with Kool-Aid down uh, in Guyana several decades ago. They had faith, they had faith in Jim Jones, and he killed them. If you consider drug addicts, they have faith that their dealer is gonna get them their next pure heroin so that they can go into La La Land until it's tainted and they die from that heroin. Think about science. We have faith in science, but during COVID, we've seen science change over and over and what they say about certain things change over and over. So science changes. How can you have faith in something that consistently changes when our faith is to be in Jesus Christ who never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except by me. So faith in anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ might make you feel good, but it's not going to get you to heaven and it's not going to give you joy, peace, patience, purpose in this life that we're living. We hear people say today, well, I'm a person of
0: faith. And you think, well, what exactly does that mean? We used to assume that it meant that they were a person of Christian faith or maybe Judeo-Christian heritage where they have faith in the Bible and the scriptures. And so we could understand and agree with the standards that they believed in. Now somebody can say they're a person of faith, and it can be any of those things that you talked about. It can be any kind of religion or practice or whatever. And that kind of brings us to the
1: second seductive, unbiblical idea. Which is all faiths serve equal value. In other words, you can believe in whatever God you want to believe because we all believe in the same God. And eventually we're all going to go to heaven as long as we don't do horrible things in life. And even then, some people believe that everybody will eventually get to heaven. Now, obviously that doesn't work with the Hindus who believe in reincarnation. So that would be a little different. You think about Lutherans. Lutherans became Lutherans because of Martin Luther's statement, solo fide, which is faith alone. Well, the Muslims believe they have faith in their Allah, but they have no assurance of ever being able to go to heaven, except maybe if they're martyred in a jihad. Catholics believe in Jesus Christ, but they add to it church and works. So all of us have different ideas in how you get to heaven or what our faith is about. We as fundamental evangelicals believe faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So it's the word of God that we stand on that teaches us about faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. That's the truth. And good works are important and following the church is important, but faith in them do not get us into heaven. Faiths are not of equal values. Acts 4.12 said, their salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which man should be saved, except of course through Jesus Christ. Know the name, nor the works, no the church, no the religion, no the faith—only by belief in Jesus Christ. And Acts 16:31, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ; you will be saved." There is a plethora of verses in Scripture that say the same thing. So, in order to have faith, or to think all of our faiths are of equal values, we're throwing out God and the foundation of our faith, which is the Word of God.
0: Of all of the faiths that you mentioned, of all the ones that I, I know of. There's only one that has a Savior. I'm interested in the one that can cure me of my sin nature, the one where the only person who ever claimed to die and take on my sins and take on the penalty for my sins. That's what makes Christianity unique. The rest, you all have to be good enough. You have to do some sort of works or whatever. Maybe in addition to a belief, it's usually works involved, where, as you said, Jesus has created us to be prepared for good works, but that comes after he takes on our sin nature so that we don't have to try and try to do these good works in our own power, because we're always gonna fall short. But what we do is we just open ourselves up to Jesus so that he can do those good works through us. And it's such a relief, you know, that we don't have to do anything to please him except trust him, have faith in him. And then he takes over our lives as we are sanctified in that process He refines us and refines us. So it doesn't mean we don't ever make mistakes and we're perfect, but he's working on us. We're a work in progress.
1: Oh, what a great faith we have in life and in death when we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Well, a couple of these seductive, unbiblical ideas are very similar. One of them is the idea that people are basically good. Well, the research shows that 69% of Christians believe that everyone is inherently good. And going along with that is their seductive idea that the rejection of the notion that people are inherently sinful. So the difference is how did you see people as basically good or on a negative do you see them as basically sinful. And 44% of born again Christians do not accept the idea that people are born into sin. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says in Romans three twenty-three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. We can't get into heaven apart from Jesus Christ. Think of it on the other side. If people are inherently good, then they don't need a savior, but we do need a savior because we're inherently evil. We can look back to Genesis three at the fall of mankind to see that we follow our own desires because that's what's in our heart and that we inherited the original sin in Ephesians two, one and two, we're told you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Till we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That means that the only way we could get into heaven, have that faith is in faith in Jesus Christ. But it makes sense that if people want to live their own lives and do what they want to do, then they think that basically people are all good. I wonder if they still have that agreement when they consider that in Manhattan, the crime rate of the top seven crimes has increased 80% in the last year. So if people are inherently good, why do we see that crime rate? Why are we seeing school shootings? Why are we seeing the evil that's going on in our culture? Because mankind is sinful. We need a savior.
0: So the evidence is all around us. How we can deny that is, is just pretty strange. We just have to open our eyes and see how evil
1: the world has become. And then we were talking about truth because the Bible is truth. Seductive, unbiblical ideas are that, that we can dismiss absolute truth. Well, 67% of Americans say there's no way to know something is objectively right or wrong. There's no foundational truth. It's not a surprise that in 2016, gosh, six years ago, the Oxford English Dictionary declared post-truth. That was their word of the year. And post-truth is defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. What that tells me is that instead of truth, Instead of following facts and science and the Bible or whatever we find as facts, we're following our own emotions and our own personal beliefs. That now is what's called post-truth. That doesn't match up with the Bible. But let me go back to a recent Gallup poll showed that 29% of Americans now think the Bible is merely a collection of fables, legends, history, or moral precepts recorded by man. So they don't believe it's the word of God. And they just think it's just a bunch of ideas. When I went to college at a Catholic university a long time ago, the professor in my Old Testament class taught us how all of the miracles of the Old Testament were just natural occurrences. They weren't miracles at all. Talk about taking away a person's faith when they can believe that it's just happened. Well, God didn't do it. God's not in the business of doing miracles. Of course he is. But when we take away that absolute truth we have nothing to stand on and right now our culture is not standing on any truth it's all relativism what seems good in my eyes and it
0: seems like they just turn truth on its head when you talk about what's in the bible is truth creation is truth science quote unquote today with evolutionary theory and so forth is totally denying the truth of creation it's obvious creation is so intricate I just think about the smallest things that we can't see without a microscope and the great things that are distant that we can't see without a telescope and everything beyond that. It's mind boggling. Creation shouts out. And there's scripture that says that
1: declares the glory of God, declares his power and his sovereignty. Then we can look at another of the seductive, unbiblical ideas, and that is that success is determined by happiness, comfort, goodness, or fulfilled potential. Well, certainly we feel fulfilled when we do something right. We feel like if we've won an award or accomplished something that was very difficult, we've been successful. But when those kinds of things make up our happiness or goodness or comfort, we're looking at the wrong things. It puts us and our self-centered desires before anything else, including God. Now, again, it's good to have goals and it's good to be successful, but the Bible says, Tells us that success is determined by our faithfulness in God, by following Him. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and be careful to do according to all that's written in it. So, in other words, we're supposed to follow God's word. When we do that, the end of the verse says, Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. That's how we have success, is following God and His word. Another one of the seductive, unbiblical ideas
0: that the Barna study came up with is commitment to personal subjective
1: morality. Do we see that in our culture or don't we? Oh my, we have turned away from God in our sexual agenda. The Bible is very clear. What's an abomination to God? And that is any type of sexual relationship outside the husband and wife married relationship is an abomination to God. Our divorce rate is down now in this culture down to 44% which is great but the reason it is is because a lot of people aren't getting married in the first place the idea of morality it's individualistic right now there's no outside standards except the bible but people don't want to follow that so they continue to do what they want to do 74 percent of americans believe sexual relationships apart from marriage is morally acceptable god's design for marriage is one man one woman for life same thing with sex and fornication or adultery or homosexuality or other sexual sins are a violation of God's design for marriage. You can read that in Genesis two twenty four, when God says, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's a sexual relationship. So many places in the Bible, it talks against any type of sin that is outside that marriage relationship. The Bible teaches that there's going to be a judgment and people are going to be held accountable for how they live their lives. We can't just go ahead and do what we want to do with no repercussions. So we need to be careful. There's guidelines in the scripture. They are meant to keep us safe. They are meant to keep us pure before God and in our relationships with each other and with God, a joyful, purposeful relationship when we follow him. So as we read these statistics, they're pretty depressing about the future of the church. But fortunately, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has established the church. He's coming back for the church. He wants us as the church, because we individuals are the church, it's not our religion or a building. He wants us as the church to have a strong relationship with him. Hope only can come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We got to turn these statistics back, but we can only do that if we change our heart. It's hard to have hope in this day and age when we're doing what seems right in our own eyes, as I've said. NBC News even had a poll recently that said 74% of Americans currently believe the nation's on the wrong track. 58% feel more worried that America's best years are behind us instead of before us. 37 million Americans are on antidepressants. We're in a sad state of affairs in this country because we have turned away from truth. We've turned away from God and it shows up in the way we're living and all the statistics we've just talked about. So there's one answer. What do we do about it? We change our hearts and our attitudes. In Second Chronicles 7.14, a very familiar passage, we're told to repent. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, that's the church, that's Christians, We'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. God says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. So it starts with us as believers, humbling ourselves and following Jesus. If we want to find hope in this world, that hope comes from digging a deeper faith relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're going to talk about faith next week. We've got to exercise that faith muscle now Before it's too late, before we have nothing left, but the world dictating where we go. That's so important. In Revelation 1, 3, we're told in that book, at least, blessed are those who read and hear and heed the words of this prophecy for the time is near. Well, blessed are you and I who read and hear and heed the words of God's word, the scriptures, all 66 books of them because as we do we get to know God and as we get to know him we can believe in him we can learn the truth about him and what he calls us to do and that's what he wants we're losing our hope but we want to hope back we want joy and i think of nehemiah 8:10 that says the joy of the lord is your strength it's not the joy of the world or the government or the politicians it's the joy of the lord and without him Of course, we're going to be depressed because everything depends on our circumstances and circumstances change and they can be good or bad at any given time. Well, Jesus never changes. He is our unchanging hope in this ever-changing world. Join a Bible-believing church with pastors who have strong biblical worldview. That's important. Or at least join a Bible study. We have a couple of them going on in the Omaha area. Join us because we speak the truth from God's word. And here's the thing, influence our culture, rather than allowing our culture to influence us. In Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So be a light for Jesus so people will see joy in you because of the relationship you have in Jesus Christ. Take that message of hope to a world who really needs it now, to a church who needs it, to others, to neighbors, to friends. But it can only happen if it starts with us first. And if we repent first and turn to Jesus and live for him, then all these statistics we've been reading, they can be turned around as the church of Jesus Christ chooses to follow him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength.